Welcome to Better by Great Place to Work, the global authority on workplace culture. I'm your host, Rula Amiri, Content Director at Great Place to Work. On this episode, we speak with Laura Fuentes, Executive Vice President and CHRO at Hilton. Well, Laura, welcome to the Better Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Laura is the Executive Vice President and CHRO of Hilton. Hilton is certainly a familiar name to us at Great Place to Work, with so many appearances on the best workplace lists. I want to start today by talking about the power of friendships at work. You've said the future of work is food, fun, and friendship. So why is friendship key to employee engagement? Why is, so, why is it so important? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think, an important measure of engagement and bonding of people to their organizations. The last couple of years, I think, have taught us a lot, and people's lives changed fundamentally from the purpose of home to, you know, the place of work in their lives, how schools were operating, how we did our groceries. That forced us to do a lot of soul searching, and in obviously, you know, very important ways, we had to retreat into our bunkers of self-isolation, protection, survival. But I think what was lost in all of that is the power of friendship. And in many ways, companies such as Hilton, who went through some really, you know, stressful and traumatic times as a result of COVID, Mm -hmm. we were sort of in the trenches together and it helped us solidify friendships at work and solidify relationships because of that shared trauma. It's a trauma bond on a global scale. In many ways, yes, bonded by trauma. But also then, you know, as we come out of it now, having permission to once again have fun at work Mm -hmm. and to bond and to build community and build moments of joy into our work days and workplaces is really important. And I recently um, read a study that uh, BetterUp conducted, and it showed the power of friendships, and they actually had a numeric value to just how many friends would really breach that threshold of, you know, driving more meaningful engagement. And I think we all know having a friend that really is a proxy for a safe and trusted partner, a place to troubleshoot your ideas, a place to stretch your comfort zones and your learnings, someone to give you authentic feedback. So it's not just, you know, friendship for the sake of a fun time, but actually for the sake of having a more human experience at work Mm -hmm. and for having a more inclusive experience at work, a healthier experience at work, a more growth-oriented experience, and ultimately a more purposeful experience. So yeah, I think, you know, friendship and fun are a really important part of how we're going to create those bonds and that engagement. Do you have a work BFF? Oh, that's so funny. You know, HR um, can be a little bit of a lonely job sometimes because, of course, you know, we have to sometimes deliver the tough messages and coach people through it. And so for many years of my life, I kind of tried to separate those boundaries. But I will say now that the people that I work with are some of my closest friends. And that is, um, that's a little bit courageous for me to say, because I still want to maintain that aura of uh, human resources and, and what we need to do and how we need to deliver those tough messages. But I think at the end of the day, establishing that trust matters. And so I feel really fortunate to work with people that, yes, I consider, you know, wonderful uh, friends and that I've gone through some of the most meaningful moments of my life and career with. 
And you've been with Hilton for about nine years? Yeah, almost nine years. Is that right? I'm sure that time has just flown by. It has. <laughs> no year has been the same. It's been a time of growth and transformation for our company. I joined right before we went public, so lived through the IPO. Mm-hmm. Our spinoffs of our um, real estate and timeshare businesses. Clearly, you know, extraordinary growth on the culture and people side, thanks mm-hmm. to our CEO, Chris, and our former head of HR, who was my boss, Matt Schuyler. So we uh, have been on this journey with Great Place to Work for many years. You know, and for many years, and of those nine, actually, you know, applying to the list, serving our team members, and not quite making the list, and having the conversations with hard. the hard conversations with the Great Place to Work team saying, you know, you're doing really well, but you're not in the big leagues. Like, this is what it's going to take. And continuing to listen and launch programs to support our team members and building that great place to work for all over those nine years, which ultimately in a you know a few years ago culminated in some extraordinary recognition that we continue to celebrate around the world. So it's been a journey. It's been amazing and transformative. And I am so excited about what lies ahead too, especially as we come out of COVID and continue to drive the recovery. Hilton is number two this year among mm-hmm. the 100 best, so... So proud, so yes. excited. That's the you know, fruits really, of your labor. Of, of all those listening sessions and hard conversations, that's that's what it looks, that's what it can look like. Yeah, I think, I mean, truly, I put this at the feet of our leaders, our general managers, our team members at hotels. They're doing the hard work and building this culture that we're all so proud to be a part of. And I'm really particularly proud of the fact that in the last two years during COVID, we've actually continued to make dozens of Great Place to Work certifications and awards around the world. And so at a time when our team members were certainly facing unimaginable hardships and challenges, both from the shuttering of our hotels to the reopening and the insane demand that we now have for travel, and yet they're telling us that Hilton is still a great place to work, that they feel recognized, taken care of. Our scores have gone up during COVID as far as great place to work engagement. And that is incredible, right? I think that is and speaks to some of the bonds that were formed that now feel sacred and beyond friendship, that we're on this calling and this mission and this purpose together. And that is hugely inspirational for all of us around the world. And great place to work have been great partners to us on this journey, especially over the last couple of years. So let's let's talk about that. Let's let's get into into the pandemic and what happened to your industry because your experience is not that of other hospitality, you know, companies. We did a recent market survey in July 22 of this year and we found that one in 6 employees at a typical average workplace in hospitality are planning to leave their jobs by the end of the year. So that's about, you know, 62% are recruitable. And most of them, the overwhelming majority, 85%, said they're looking for a great workplace, which is great news for great companies like Hilton, of course. Um, When we dig a bit more, we see that less than half of those employees at the average companies feel that their work has special meaning, that what they do is more than just a job, which is very different when we look at how employees feel at great and best workplaces, which is about 80%. So that's, you know, nearly double We know purpose drives retention, and so hospitality has to double down on purpose if you want to keep your employees or win back those who left during the pandemic. Um, So I'm curious to hear what, what guidance, what would you share with other leaders to help them tie purpose to employee jobs mm-hmm. um, because you know many leaders don't know they don't know how to cultivate purpose for their people they don't think they can do that for all people and you do that very well at Hilton yeah so we were fortunate we're over a hundred years old and our founder 
Conrad Hilton started this company on the noble premise and promise that we would fill the earth with the light and warmth of hospitality. That has been our true north, our guiding star for over 100 years. We also have a set of values that are the first thing that team members learn when they join us. They're memorable, they're simple, and they're very powerful. So they spell out, actually, Hilton, H-I-L-T-O-N. Our first value is hospitality, perhaps unsurprisingly. And we embed them in every aspect of our team members' experience with us. So we wanted to start with something scalable, simple, powerful, and memorable. So we came up with the values in that regard. And then we embed them in our storytelling when we recruit. We are looking for people who will be cultural contributors, not necessarily a cultural fit, because we want people to bring different backgrounds. So we always look for that cultural contribution. But we do look for alignment to our values. What's, can I just ask you a question mm-hmm. about that? What's the difference between a cultural fit and someone who can contribute to the culture? Yeah, you know, this is um, sort of a concept I, I learned from uh, Adam Grant and some of his really powerful a writing. Big, big, big Adam nerd and yes, he's a partner same. of ours. But, you know, he cautioned companies, in particular when recruiting, to guard against seeking only cultural fit. Because then you're looking to perpetuate the people you already have there. And that can create, you know, silos and like-minded thinking and continue to build a more homogeneous culture. Rather, to sort of pivot the thinking a little bit to a more nuanced view of cultural contribution. What is missing on this team that I can add by hiring this person, right? Mm. So I think that's a really important nuance and we try to toggle, you know, from fit to contribution. But that being said, we do look for alignment to our values. Mm -hmm. Because if someone isn't bought in and excited by the purpose to fill the earth with the light and warmth of hospitality, but our values of, you know, hospitality, integrity, leadership, teamwork, ownership, and now, then this isn't the right place for you. And that's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. I want all humans to find their righteous place in the world of work. And we are seeking individuals who will be motivated and inspired by our values. Because, by the way, we will hire based on that. We reward. We assess based on performance against our values. We celebrate. We're about to um, share the stories of our CEO Light and Warmth Award winners globally who have extraordinary stories of living our values. So, you know, we look for diversity of background experience in our hiring, cultural contribution. But we will always look for and celebrate alignment to those values and find people who are as passionate about them as we are. So I'd say, you know, the advice to their leaders, if I could humbly offer, would be, you know, make sure that your values are memorable, scalable, simple, that you are clear in how you communicate and how you leverage and bring it to life. Because otherwise, values, purpose, you know, become words on a wall that don't actually live up in the moments that matter. And whether that be when you're assessing, rewarding, promoting people in times of crisis, right? Over the last couple of years, Yeah, our industry and our company took a huge hit in those early days of COVID. And yet our CEO, Chris Nassetta, wanted us to be a part of the solution and help Mm. communities, and in particular, healthcare workers who were so heroically saving lives around the world. And so we donated a million room nights, and he challenged us to do this at the you know, peak point of the crisis. Mm. Those were our values in action, right? Mm -hmm. Hospitality, even when we are fighting for survival. So I think it's the tough moments that reveal who you are and bringing it to life in those meaningful ways is what inspires people. I love the difference you pointed out from Adam Grant. That's right out of the Adam Grant playbook of cultural fit and 
Contribution. Thank you. Yeah. And contribution. <laughs> um, because I think that just spills into life, right? You don't just want to surround yourself with this like-minded, same people. You're not going to learn. You're not going to grow. Um, and so that dips in. We shouldn't have the separation between work and life. You know, that kind of thinking and growth should happen in the workplace as well. So, well, um, it's funny that you say that because I think, you know, people will ask, well, so much has changed in the world of work and people's mindsets relative to work over the last mm -hmm. couple of years. And I do think COVID accelerated trends, right? I mean, we were all locked mm -hmm. up in our houses and we had to examine like, is this homework? Is school right. working? Is work working? Am I happy? Yeah, like all I the soul searching. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think what people were basically telling us beyond the clickbait that we read and hear about quietly quitting, great resignation, everything in between, mm -hmm. is that they are looking for a human experience at work. They don't want a work experience, an employee experience. They don't want life to fit into a good job. They want work to fit into a good life. And that's Amen. what we're trying to solve for at Hilton is to build that fully human experience at work and to tap into not the trends of work, but the transcendent needs of the workforce. Mm -hmm. So let's switch gears a bit and get to know you a little bit better. You've been in the HR space for many years. Uh, what is the best piece of career advice you go back and, and give your younger self? I would probably tell myself to be braver and bolder early in my career. I think um, I was more deferential, more cautious. Uh, in my voice, in my actions, um, in my networking, in my outreach. You know, I always felt like, well, who am I to reach out to so-and-so? Or who am I to speak up mm -hmm. now? And I would seek to have all my sort of action and knowledge really buttoned up before I would lean into something. Mm -hmm. And so to trust my instincts, to be a little bit bolder, a little bit braver, a little bit more active in my networking, and mm -hmm. to do that, you know, without needing to have permission or some title or level and just for the sake of what I've always had which is a very curious mind mm -hmm. but I sort of felt like maybe it wasn't my place always to uh, lean in with courage and boldness so I would say to have a little more fun with that earlier in my career. You mentioned Adam Grant we've talked about Adam Grant today um I discovered him during, uh, shortly before COVID. So during COVID, I discovered, you know, podcasts, as many people have. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just curious, you know, do you listen to the Work Life podcast? And uh, if you want to share a favorite podcast or, or book or yeah. um, some source of inspiration for fellow leaders or any, any recommendations you have for us. Yeah, I certainly listened to Adam Grant's podcast, and this was not a shameless plug, but we've partnered with him on that podcast and uh, been a sponsor for a few years. So you'll hear embedded in his ads some stories about Hilton and our team members, uh, including this season. And we have a team member actually. I love the ads, by the way. The ads are podcasts, amazing. You know, you right? just fast forward. But on work life, we're, yes, there's storytelling. There's storytelling. Adam's yeah. done a brilliant job there, and we're so proud to showcase our team members. So in this season, we're actually showcasing a team member from this property in Orlando who is an amazing ambassador for our culture and brings joy and fun into work, tying back to what we were talking about at the mm -hmm. beginning. And he um, brings dance into what he does and how he serves our guests, and that inspires both our fellow team members and guests. So I'll let you listen to the story itself. But that 
is always a regular on my podcast rotation. You know, I um, I love to listen sort of in a multi-format and multi-channel way. So Adam, I listen to. I love the We Can Do Hard Things podcast by Glennon and Abby Wambach and sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am a voracious reader, so I try to mix fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and just always staying, you know, sort of active as a reader. There's a current book on my nightstand, which I haven't opened yet, but I'm really intrigued by, which is called uh, What We Owe the Future. And just that lens of, you know, what we do today impacts the kind of ancestors mm-hmm. we become. So I'm always curious. We, is always it an actual book? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Are you like? Are you do you do Kindle? Do you do audio books? No, I read the old fashioned. I'm old fashioned. I'm old fashioned. In fact, if you see, as we all know, our backgrounds um, over COVID now that we're on Zoom. I've color-coded my books. Uh, they bring me a lot of joy. I, uh, I'm a book nerd, and uh, yeah, I like to have the physical books. I like to gift books, buy yep. books, turn the page, like sit with them. Yes. So I'm very much an old-school book When do reader. you have time for to, to read? At night? Like before you... You know, at night, but it's uh, one of the things I do to recharge. So I consider myself a bit of an ambivert. So mm-hmm. I find energy out of moments of solitude, and reading is a big part of that for me and also obviously moments of social connection mm-hmm. but I read at night I read when I'm on vacation I love nothing more than a rainy weekend honestly where everything gets canceled and I can yes. curl up with a book I know yes. I'm that Will kind you of read nerd. on the plane I, I do today? I try to read on the plane although I leverage um, plane time for a little bit of meditation and quiet time to unplug my brain so depending on the length of the flight I've recently okay. been to Singapore and London so you know definitely had some time to kill there uh, I may just truly unplug and try to meditate for a couple of hours uh, so the, and just the, unwind my brain, or I'll read. Yes. Okay. So the on, on long trips or short trips on the plane, your laptop doesn't come out? Not much, to be honest. Yeah. And this is where I go analog again. I'll print things to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll try to catch up on things or prepare for whatever meeting I'm joining. But I tend not digital to... Digital detox. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a digital detox. Yeah. And I'm always a little bit paranoid about people uh, peeking over your screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, it's a digital detox and I go analog. Absolutely. And listen, I'm not ashamed to admit that I'll buy some of the magazines um, on the way to the plane and uh, and leverage that to unwind a bit. Will one of those be People magazine? Are you, are you above it? entertainment news oh absolutely not um yeah a regular reader of people yep who's the most important person you talk to every day can be personally professionally or both yeah uh my husband for sure you know we I feel like we're a great team. He's my friend, the love of my life, and we need to stay really closely connected, especially when you know we're both juggling careers, travel to make sure that our kids, our dog, like everything's moving in the right direction. So, and he, you know, beyond the logistics, of course, just helps me stay grounded and connected to what matters. So my family, beyond that, I live on a different continent from my parents. I have one kid in college. Like I'm always trying to connect with my siblings, and you know that's really important to me. But then I'll say, you know, on the work side and just intellectual growth and curiosity side, I try to connect every day with someone who's going to challenge my thinking, push me to consider new perspective. And that is very often my boss, my colleagues, the team members at Hilton, my team, mm-hmm. but just making sure that you know every day there's a challenge born out of a human connection. So I do seek that out and try to push myself to be in those situations uh, as someone who isn't necessarily an extrovert, but mm-hmm. that I have a human connection with someone who's going to make me think about something in a new way. You mentioned detoxing on the plane uh, and taking time, and you mentioned meditation, um, reading a book at night, recharging. What's one way you create a sense of well-being for yourself 
um, on a day-to-day basis? Is there a, 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 a something essential you need every day? For, for me, during the, the COVID until now, starting my day seeing the sun, like walking movement, even if it's 10 minutes or five minutes or half an hour, I try and get a walk in. I like meditation and other things, but yeah. if there's no time, it's I have to have some movement before I sit and start. What's your essential yeah. ingredient? A good day will always have a walk. Uh, with my husband and dog and I try to I read somewhere that even just looking at the sky for 10 minutes maybe it's the same uh, yeah same research we both looked at that that just helps in rhythm yeah I try to look up and take three deep breaths and there are days honestly where you know I don't get out as much but just even a five minute walk taking a deep breath outside and looking up at the sky can be a three minute intervention and it helps. I also like to make my bed every day. That gives me a sense of calm and order. Honestly, I'm a big homebody and I feel like, okay, if I start, you know, doing one thing right, it sets the tone for the day. Yes. You've had some success. Exactly. If I don't get my walk in, it's, I'm off. Like the day just isn't, isn't quite right. What is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in your career or a challenge? You know, I would say the challenge that, um, that we faced over the last couple of years, in particular as COVID hit at Hilton, the hospitality industry, to try to take care of our team members to step up and be an effective, compassionate leader to help the survival of our company in really unprecedented times where there was no playbook. And we were all so worried for our own lives, our own families, the world we lived in, and to have to do some of the most heartbreaking and difficult work that HR can do while being fully remote in an industry that was under assault, like that was incredibly challenging. And I say this with the deep appreciation and gratitude of the ways in which our Hilton team stepped up, our leaders, our team members, um, the HR function, but all of the functions across the company who work together. It was both the hardest time of, I think, my career, Mm -hmm. but in so many ways, the most fulfilling and rewarding. And it's hard to say, oh, that's the proudest moment, uh, you know, some of the proudest work that I've done in HR. But it was because in that moment of unprecedented trauma, you know, the team that I was a part of just did some heroic work. And we heard through the testimonials of the team members, even that we had to lay off, that they felt so looked after and taken care of in those times, because we tried to insert as much humanity and care Mm -hmm. and heart into what was a heartbreaking moment. So I would say those, those couple of years, yeah, hard and proud. And there were, you know, days that ended in tears and hugs and, you know, deep sort of sense of commitment and, um, and grit and perseverance to keep fighting for our team members and our company. So I was really proud to be a part of that. Laura, thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a true pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Better. You can stream this and previous episodes wherever podcasts are available.